Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. This is the Gospel of Christ. Well, it is indeed a, uh, a delight to be here. Uh, and uh, Jay's asked me to speak for two weeks. Just uh, We're going to be looking at the start and the end of Luke's Gospel. It's a bit of a precursor, in a way, to a series that Jay's going to be preaching in Acts, because uh, Acts is the second volume, Luke's the first volume. Luke wrote both of them. Uh, Luke is a gospel that I'm passionate about, so it's quite exciting for me uh, to be able to share with you uh, these things. And as with many uh, different kinds of things, the start and the end provide kind of special information or highlights or, or meaning. It's often the case with a, with a book, uh, the novel, it's often the case with a movie, it's often the case with a, a race, like a boat race or a, or a running race or something, that the start and the end are where the, the action really happens. Uh, and the start and the end here with Luke, I think, will give us important perspective for understanding the story of Jesus, uh, which of course is the most important story that we could understand. We're going to need God's help as we dig into this, so let's pray together. Heavenly Father, please do bless us as we uh, consider this little part of your word that has such an important message for us. Uh, let my words be true, and we pray that your spirit will be at work uh, through your word in the scriptures, uh, that we would hear and know what you are saying to us today. In Christ's name. Amen. Certainty. Being certain. Certainty isn't something that we're always comfortable with, is it? I think in our culture. When someone is too certain about things, it often seems a bit arrogant to us. How can you be certain? There are so many things we don't know. So how can you be certain? Really in life, the old saying goes, there are only two things that are certain. What are they? Death and taxes. Yes, very good. Death and taxes. In fact, if there's one thing that we're all certain about in our culture, it's that we shouldn't be too certain about too many things. We're very certain that we shouldn't be too certain. In truth, though, this worry that we have about certainty is fear sometimes. Uh, people who have been very certain of certain things have certainly done large amounts of damage at certain points in history. And right now, at our point in history, some people seem to be very certain about things and seem to many of us to be dangerous, uh, whether it's certain leaders of significant countries who are very certain about their own opinions and their views on what should happen in the world. Some people think that about Kim Jong-un of North Korea or Donald Trump at the moment. Uh, or whether it's terrorists who are so certain about what they believe to be true that they're willing to kill for it. Certainty can seem to be dangerous. Which is why you may be a little bit uncomfortable to see the reason that Luke wrote his gospel that he tells us there. Look at verse 4 again. Verse 4. Uh, he says that he wrote this gospel to a person called Theophilus 
so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. You may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. Luke is writing to give certainty. But as we'll see, it's not the, the certainty we need to be worried about, not that kind of certainty. This is a good, life-giving certainty. It's not unlike uh, the, the certainty that a child should have of their parents' love. That's a good certainty to have. All children should have that certainty, shouldn't they, that their parents love them. I know not all do. They should. The certainty that Luke's writing about is more of that kind of quality, but even more wonderful. It's even more wonderful than a parent's a child's knowledge of their parents' love. And it's a certainty that's for everyone. It's for you. Now Luke was writing this to Theophilus, who we're not sure, but he may have been a newish Christian, or he may have been someone who'd heard a number of the stories of Jesus and he heard some wonderful, intriguing things about Jesus, but he wanted to know more, and he wanted to know if he could really believe this. Was it true? Could he be certain of it? And Luke wrote this gospel so that people like Theophilus and people like you and I could know the certainty of these things, this wonderful truth about Jesus, could know the certainty of the story of Jesus in Christianity. That's why he wrote. But there's more here as well. Look at verse 3 with me again. Verse 3. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning... It seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you. You see what Luke's doing here? He's backing up his aim to provide certainty. He's showing why he can give certainty for Theophilus and for us. This is his reason for certainty. And his reason is he's done the work of investigation. He's done the work. He knows what he's talking about. You can imagine if I said to you, come over to the other side of the town uh, to sit next, next, next Thursday night to our church hall there. I'm going to give you a two-hour lecture about how to do your taxes. And of course, you'll all say, great, I'd love to hear a two-hour lecture from you about how, how to do your taxes. But then someone wise there, maybe Grant Ray, because he, he knows me a little bit, knows a bit about this. What do you actually know about doing taxes, Chris? And I'd have to say, nothing at all, really. I'm just a rock and roll drummer who became a minister. But I thought you'd like to hear me talk about doing taxes. Now I'm thinking if I did that, you wouldn't turn up because, you've, because you'd think I've got no idea. Or if you did turn up because you felt sorry for me, I'd really appreciate it, that's lovely of you. Uh, but you certainly wouldn't do your taxes based on what I said. Because I'm not an expert on taxes. I haven't done the work on it. I haven't done the work to understand it and know what to do with it. Luke is the opposite of that when it comes to Jesus' story. He has done his homework. He has carefully investigated. He has followed the story through from the beginning so he knows how it goes, he knows what happened. And then you might ask, how does he know? What was his investigation based on? What did he investigate? Great question. Glad you asked. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. Verses 1 and 2 again. Luke says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. 
So two things here show the key ways that Luke investigated. First, there were other accounts, other narratives, other stories about Jesus that were already around that some had even written down. That's why Luke says in verse 1, many have undertaken to draw up an account. So one of the other accounts that uh, Luke's speaking of was almost certainly Mark's gospel. It's another of the, the biographies of Jesus which is in the Bible. It seems very likely that Luke used Mark as one of the main sources for his own gospel. So like any good historian, Luke was going to other reliable sources and using them for his investigation. He'd done the work in that way. But second, and even more important, there were the words of the eyewitnesses. Uh, the message, the, the story, and all the little stories that make up the big story which Luke is going to write, they were handed down by the eyewitnesses, he says there in verse 2. And that, that term, handed down, it's actually a technical term for carefully passing on an oral tradition from, from one uh, person who knows it to the next and to the next, careful passing down. A lot of cultures have that ability to very carefully pass on a story from one generation to the next. And the Jewish culture that the first Christians were part of, they had that ability to pass that on. And that's what happened with these stories of Jesus. But you might say, hang on, what about Chinese whispers? What if the story changes each time it's told? If each time it's told, little bits get added or taken away, and over generations it changes, and it's not the same as it used to be. That's the sort of things that you often hear. Skeptics like Richard Dawkins say things like that quite often about the stories of Jesus in the Bible. They say, well, that's what happens, like Chinese whispers. Or the Da Vinci Code, uh, that's got the same kind of idea behind it, and lots of popular documentaries that seem to come up on TV every Easter and Christmas have the same kind of thing. Oh, the stories were changed over many, many years. And, and to be fair... That does happen in some cases where stories are passed down over many generations. They do get embellished and changed. You may know some from your family that may seem a little bit embellished and changed. That's why Luke is so helpful for us here. He was writing this down between 30 to 50 years after what had happened. So the things he was writing about, 30 to 50 years after when they happened, he was writing them down. There was only time for them to be passed down one or, or maybe two generations. wasn't enough time for them to be changed very much. But not only that, notice in verse 2 again. See verse 2? The eyewitnesses became what? Servants of the word. Eyewitnesses and servants of the word. That is, these eyewitnesses were specially given the job by Jesus to tell people his message, become servants of the word. We're going to see them get given that job next week in the passage we're going to look at next week. But this is what they did. These eyewitnesses spent their lives telling people the message of Jesus, which they themselves had seen and heard. They were still telling their eyewitness stories right up until about the time Luke wrote this gospel. There simply wasn't time for the stories about Jesus to get changed much and even if they did get little changes here and there, there were people around who knew the real story, who were the official kind of servants of the word, who'd been there and seen and heard it, and they could correct any fabrications that did arise. So you start to get a picture of why Luke 
could write so confidently to Theophilus about certainty. That's why. That's why he was so confident to give Theophilus certainty. But there's something even more important than having the eyewitnesses around. And that is what the eyewitnesses saw. It's not just that they saw something and that they really saw it. It's what they saw. Luke doesn't just want Theophilus to be certain about some random true facts, some interesting facts in the world. Uh, my daughter just did a, a thing with her school, uh, which was a knowledge-a-thon, where they had to learn like a hundred facts, a question and answer. What does this stand for? I can't remember any questions anymore. What does this stand for? Hopefully she can. What does this stand for? What does that stand for? Uh, what is the, the temperature of this and that? You can tell I wasn't very good at it. Um, it wasn't like that. Luke didn't just want... Theophilus to know some random true facts that might be interesting. Or uh, I can tell you for certain, I was in, when I was in primary school, I was in the North Canterbury Musical Society's production of Snow White, and I played the dwarf Dopey. Dopey. <laughs> it's true, I was there. Uh, I can point you to others who are eyewitnesses of the fact. And while that might explain a couple of things about me, it's not exactly going to change your life, is it? The certainty that Luke wants to share with his readers will change your life. It will change everything. Because it is certainty about a story that changes everything. It's about, verse 1, the things that have been fulfilled among us. He wants to tell us about things that have been certainly fulfilled This idea of fulfillment is huge for Luke. All through Luke's gospel we see fulfillment happening. And there's at least two important senses in which the fulfillment happens. First, there's Old Testament promises simply being fulfilled. Uh, The fulfillment of God's story in that way, as God had promised. So for example, just a bit further on uh, in Luke's gospel, in chapter 1, verses 32 and 33, it's just on the next page in my Bible, uh, there's an angel who's speaking to the young woman, Mary, about the baby she's going to have, the Christmas story. And the angel says this, The Lord God will give him, give the baby, the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And the angel there is speaking of the fulfillment of a promise made to King David about a thousand years earlier, and you find it in 2 Samuel chapter 7 in your Bibles. And that's the fulfillment of one of these promises of God's story, and that happens throughout Luke's Gospel, this fulfillment of these promises. That's the first sense of fulfillment. But there's another sense to the fulfillment. It's related to that, but it's even bigger. See, in Jesus, Luke is going to show us the fulfillment of hope. Of hope. Hope is so important, isn't it? Humans without hope don't survive, don't flourish. We need hope. Well, Luke shows us that Jesus fulfills, first of all, the hopes of Israel, of God's people, who had suffered so much because of their sin. They'd been sent out of their land, and when they returned, they were conquered and ruled by superpower after superpower, the Greeks, the Romans, and a number of others. But now with Jesus coming, their hopes of freedom and redemption, of release from oppression, of forgiveness for their sin, these hopes were being fulfilled Jesus was the fulfillment of those hopes. And it wasn't just Israel's hope. 
It was actually fulfillment of the hope of the whole world. This was going to mean salvation and freedom for the whole world. But remember this at Christmas. The little child that was born means hope for peace on earth, for the whole world. Hope for all people. All people. I find that so refreshing. In a time when we hear more and more about putting up walls or closing doors or looking after our own group, this story Luke brings is for all people. Hope for everybody, inside or outside, no matter where you are. That's why the certainty that Luke is talking about changes everything. The things fulfilled among us that the eyewitnesses saw that Luke wrote about, they are a certain hope for the whole world. They really happened. The eyewitnesses were there, they saw them. And that's why we can be certain that there is hope for all people. When you look around at the world, sometimes you wonder whether there would be hope. But because of what Luke has seen and what he's telling us about this the story of Jesus, there is hope. We can be certain of it. There's hope for the forgiveness of sins. There's hope for us being brought to God. There's hope for real meaning and an end to the hopelessness that plagues us. There's hope for real life, even life beyond death. Because this certain story that Luke is sharing is at the end of the day about a certain person, Jesus. Luke is investigated. He knows that Jesus is a person we can be certain about and that he is the fulfillment of the hope of the world. Jesus is this certain hope, and Luke wants to share that with us. And so, therefore, Jesus is hope for you, wherever you're at with him now. You may be someone who's known Jesus and been following him for many years. Well, Luke wants to say you can be certain of the one that you know. You can be assured that you have good reasons for your certainty about him, about who he is, about what he's done. And indeed, you can grow in your certainty of him through reading of him in the Gospels, studying them deeply. You can grow more certainty. You can gain more certainty about just how important he is for every aspect of your life. What a a rock and a solid foundation he is for your life. And you can grow in certainty that when you base your life's decisions on him, when you bank on him, when you put all your eggs in the Jesus basket, you're indeed basing your life on something solid and sure and true. So that's the case if you've known him for a long time. Maybe, though, you're someone who's been coming to church for a long time, but really you know deep down that you keep Jesus at a bit of a distance. You don't want to be too certain about him. You don't want to take him too seriously. You don't want to be too extreme. Well, Luke's inviting you to see that Jesus is someone you can have certainty about, but more than that, someone who is truly wonderful to be certain about. This is someone who brings true meaning and hope to your life in a way that nothing else will. He can bring this hope to you and you can have certain reason to know this hope and through you for that to be shared with others, to be uh, a blessing to others around you. You can be certain of that. Luke wants to bring you that certainty so that you can come to him. Don't keep him at a distance. 
Or maybe for some of us, this is all new. Maybe for you today, this is new to you. Jesus is new to you. You're just finding out about him. Maybe you're a lot like Theophilus at that point. I'm so glad you're here if that's you. Luke is inviting you to see that there is a real reason to know that these stories you might have heard about Jesus and above all the hope that he offers you, that it is real and you can have certainty about it and therefore you can have certainty in life and beyond this life. Luke's writing to give us this certainty. The question for us is, are we going to accept Luke's invitation to us to have this certainty? Are we going to keep on hearing of this certain person, the certain person, Jesus? Are we going to keep on seeking the certainty that we can find in him? Are we going to keep on listening to what the eyewitnesses saw and heard and above all to the one that they saw and heard? Certainty might not be something we usually want to talk about. And accepting Luke's invitation, I should say, doesn't mean that we'll be free of doubt forever in every area. In this world, our knowledge is always partial. But even if we doubt it sometimes, and even if we don't know all the details, this story Luke tells is certain because the one he tells us about is certain. John Newton was a uh, slave trader who'd caused untold suffering to many, many African lives. He famously became a Christian and wrote that very famous hymn, a number of famous hymns, but one in particular, Amazing Grace. When he was 82 and just on the edge of death, he said this, My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great saviour. His memory was nearly gone, but he had that certainty. And he'd written to his wife not long before these words, how wonderful must be the moment after death. That is the sort of certainty that Luke is holding out to us, encouraging us to have. A certainty in the things that matter most, because it's a certainty about this certain person, Jesus, and the hope we have in him for ourselves and for the world. Let me pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you sent your Son, Jesus, to bring us hope. And more than that, that you inspired your servant, Luke, to write this gospel and to do so to bring us certainty about Jesus and the hope that we have. We thank you for the hard work he did and the way you worked through that and that now we have this and the other parts of the Bible that speak to us of Jesus, the hope that we have in him and the confidence and certainty we can have in that. Please, Lord, strengthen us to continue to take hold of that which you've given us, this certainty about him, and to be blessed and a blessing to others through it. We pray that in the name of the one you sent. Amen.